Hi, welcome to Neuroverse, a podcast hosted by Clara and Carolina, where we discuss all matters from neuroscience to philosophy and beyond. Today's episode is on polyvagal theory. What is this about? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to begin by explaining the theory since probably most of our listeners aren't familiar with it. So, it is a theory that concerns the autonomic nervous system, which is the part of our nervous system that's responsible for all our involuntary actions like breathing and which we've talked about before mm-hmm. and our heart rate and our gut. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the most important nerves that is involved in these functions is called the vagus nerve and it's one of the longest and most important nerves in our body that is physically connected to the heart and lungs and gut as well as the brain of course. And what triggered this theory to be conceptualized was a paradox that the vagus nerve is related to a high heart rate variability which can be used as an index of stress, vulnerability, but the vagus nerve also regulates the extreme slowing of the heartbeat. And so the question is, how can it mediate both? Mm -hmm. And so neuroscientist Stephen Porges came up with the polyvagal theory that the vagus nerve, which sends its output into the several regions of the body, can be divided into different categories that have opposing functions. Okay, what are these um, different categories and opposing functions? So this is where it gets interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So first, there is a system called the immobilization system. This is the vagus nerve that is unmyelinated, Mm -hmm. which means it is not covered in a fatty layer, which means that because there isn't this fatty insulation of the nerve fibers, signals pass through them more slowly than myelinated fibers. But anyways, this system um, is found throughout different species from humans, all mammals and all vertebrates, which includes reptiles and amphibians. And it is thought to be the most primitive of the systems that underlies responses to danger, terror, and stress. Mm -hmm. So activation of this part of the vagal system, which is referred to as the dorsal the dorsal vagal complex. Activation of the dorsal vagal complex results in things such as decreasing muscle tone, reducing cardiac output to reserve metabolic resources, mm-hmm. and so also slowing down the heart rate. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And also anything to reduce metabolic demands, which is basically necessary for survival in any extreme threats. Yes. So I was just wondering, does the is the dorsal vagal complex specific to um, an area in the body or the brain? Yeah, so it's called the dorsal um, vagal complex because it originates in the dorsal part of the brain stem, mm-hmm. which is at the base of the brain, but it also innervates, so it sends its outputs to below the diaphragm. Okay. That's why it's able to alter more things related to visceral organs like the gut. Mm -hmm. Whereas another system is then the ventral vagal complex, which in contrast to the dorsal, it's myelinated. Mm -hmm. um, And it is also evolutionarily newer. So it is specific to mammals. 
and it innervates parts of the body above the diaphragm, including the face. Oh, okay. And <laughs> the interesting thing about this system is it promotes pro-social behavior. Mm-hmm. And what is pro-social behavior? <laughs> so, like our facial expressions. Ah that can promote us being sociable, like smiling. Okay. So like recognizing <laughs> so, someone else's smile no, so or like facial expression? The creation of our own facial expressions. Okay, okay. Which can be in response to other yeah. others' facial expressions because their facial expressions are going to be controlled by their... That's so interesting. <laughs> how like, Ventral vagus. Why is it that like a happy face results in a smile as opposed to like a frown? You know, like oh, it's yeah. like a feeling of happiness. That's and really interesting because it and it's not the same in all animals. Yeah. Okay, I don't know too much I, about that topic, me neither. but I also know that there's these these mirror neurons which basically like Yes, yes. They mirror what you see yeah. in your own behavior. And in other behavior and other people's behaviors, so then you react like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know enough about mirror neurons <laughs> to talk neither. about it right now. But yeah, I just Perhaps in a future episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But this is what's really interesting that the autonomic nervous system was historically always thought of as just like being responsible for things we can't control. Mm. And so it was always very much studied under this light of like just kind of lack of volition on our part. Definitely lack of volition and also therefore not having like a huge role in things such as social behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I need to do another disclaimer that th- this is a theory mm-hmm. and there are criticisms of the theory that it's not anatomically precisely correct but the general ideas are there and this is what we'll be discussing yeah um but yeah and another interesting thing is this evolutionary shift mm-hmm. in in the the what the autonomic nervous system is capable of and how it's sort of like adapted this new function of pro-social behavior exactly mm-hmm and bidirectional coupling between our bodily state and our social behavior because like the vagus therefore is able to control both what's happening with our heart rate and our breathing and our digestion as well as our social behavior oh wow that's yeah. so interesting yeah um the, there's a third system in polyvagal theory which is the sympathetic nervous system so oh i probably should have also mentioned the vagus nerve is thought of as being part of the parasympathetic nervous system which is responsible for what they call rest and digest Mm. the opposite of that is the sympathetic nervous system and it works in tangent with the parasympathetic nervous system that is responsible for what they call fight or flight okay so together the sympathetic nervous system the dorsal vagus and the ventral vagus make up the polyvagal system and they balance out one another and at any one moment in time depending on the environment Mm -hmm. um, one particular system can become more predominant and override the others like how i talked about during threat the dorsal vagal complex would therefore take over and respond with these primitive autonomic functions Mm -hmm. but when we're in a safe environment um, that we perceive as safe the ventral uh, vagal complex would would be more dominant yes yeah. would be more dominant and promote pro-social behavior nice that's so interesting yeah um i want to highlight here uh, what i found really interesting is that how safe we feel mm-hmm. or 
<laughs> our perception of how safe we are determines how pro-social we are. I was thinking that. Yeah, yeah that's so interesting. So perhaps someone who's in a bit more of a stressful or, or anxious state may ha- be acting less pro-socially. Yeah. And which I feel like I can relate yes. with. And yeah, maybe we are quick to judge, but perhaps the dorsal uh, <laughs> vagus nerve is just being dominant over the ventral one yeah <laughs> and they don't yeah <laughs> yes and the sympath no especially with anxiety that would activate the sympathetic nervous system mm-hmm. so yes that actually makes sense yeah okay so how can we put this theory into practice mm-hmm. well this is where i mention why i got introduced to this concept to start with and why i'm interested in it is my love for yoga (laughs) which um i practice yoga and teach (laughs) and teach sometimes very good teacher um and carolina is one of my yoga students (laughs) yeah but this theory um interlaces with the benefits of yoga practices really really well and it interestingly really links with the philosophy of yoga. Mm-hmm. So yoga has a very complex and rich philosophical background. Um, <clears throat> and I'm definitely not going to go into all of the details about this, but it's interesting that the concepts of polyvagal theory mirror with key concepts in yoga philosophy. Mm. So yoga philosophy is primarily dualistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which We're laughing because we have another episode on materialism and dualism. Yes. Listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you may, if you have, you may find my views are even more confusing now that I'm here saying that I'm a yogi. <laughs> um, <laughs> but okay, so in, in yoga philosophy, suffering is thought to arise from a misalignment between the material world and the spirit that is pure consciousness. So the material world or material nature in itself is made up of three main components. And these are what mirror the three polyvagal systems. So in in yoga philosophy, these are called the gunas. Mm. And one is tamas, which is inertia, delusion, and indifference. So this is thought to be to correspond with the dorsal vagal because it is the immobilization system Mm -hmm. in moments of complete terror. The first thing we do is not to react, but to become immobile, Mm -hmm. which is what the dorsal system does. And this relates to tamas, the concept of inertia. Okay. And then we have rajas, which is energy turbulence and pain and chaos <laughs> and of course this relates to the sympathetic nervous system which is the fight or flight mm-hmm. and then finally you have sattva which is joy and calm tranquility mm-hmm. and light and pleasure harmony um, and this relates to the ventral system which supports social behavior mm-hmm. connection and what Stephen Porges refers to as eudaimonia which is my new favorite word mm. because it means human flourishing I love that <laughs> yeah I, I, he- I heard another definition of eudaimonia which is well-being in the experience of pain illness or disability oh okay yeah I mean 
I like the concept of human flourishing more, but I do. <laughs> that does sound much nicer. <laughs> but um, they're basically synonymous. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and so the these three sattva rajas tamas and also again the dorsal system, ventral system, sympathetic system are in flux and always in a constant balance with each other. And it is thought that an imbalance can lead to suffering and mm the opposite of eudaimonia yes (laughs) (laughs) so um what's really interesting about this is then that in yoga you're able to observe the the flux of these gunas the three systems and this can first of all promote sattva because you have topped more top-down control uh, of the ventral vagus system Mm -hmm. (laughs) which uh, makes it more accessible and this promotes sattvic behavior or emotions Mm. and secondly you become less responsive to alterations in the gunas and to alterations in your environment Mm -hmm. um, which enables us to essentially dissociate from them and realize how separate we are from the material world (laughs) i'm saying this again thinking about our materialism episode where i basically argued for a more materialist um, perspective yeah but yet I, I do this still makes sense to me <laughs> <laughs> I mean I think it's fine and healthy to categorize philosophical um, theories with personal yoga philosophy yeah. as well as scientific um, beliefs and theories and rigor I think you can't really judge one field with the properties of the other yeah so i think it's perfectly fine to have different (laughs) opinions on materialism and philosophy and in yoga philosophy yeah in Um, a way they they combine and make sense in my own head mm -hmm. but perhaps one day i'll be able to actually express it through words why it makes (laughs) sense (laughs) um i find that so interesting about yoga theory and in terms of the sattva and how it relates to top-down control. Mm-hmm. I, I read this interesting paper by Sullivan uh, et al, 2018. So she essentially says that um, yoga-based practices focus on the integration of bottom-up neurophysio- neurophysiology as well as top-down uh, neurocognitive mechanisms. And I, I think it's interesting how I think you mentioned that the top down is usually associated with sattva and the bottom up associated with, um, is it rajas or tamas? I think you're right. So yeah, top down is more associated with sattva than both of the others. Okay. So my question is, um, aren't aren't we assuming that the top down mechanism is a really positive and um, you know sattva like um, <laughs> because. You know, and and then I understand that with yoga, it it really helps you focus on, you know, interoception and being more at balance with the external environment versus your internal and perhaps tuning down a little bit um, the bottom up inputs from the environment. But I wonder when we do this, what it results in, in terms of interoception. And yeah, if we're making an assumption of what the top down mechanisms may be. So I see what you mean, as in if the top down control is negative like if you're having negative thoughts then how is this gonna help you be more sattvic Mm -hmm. well firstly i think i think the key point is top-down control 
um, enables increased stability. Mm -hmm. So this is like similar to what we discussed in the breathing episode of practicing breathing and our conscious control over it, um, which then in this case, practicing consciously controlling our our thoughts Mm -hmm. and our, um, no, our state of anxiety Mm -hmm. would help you to maintain this state in the face of changing environments. Yeah. So I think a top-down control that would be negative, like perpetuatingly bad thoughts or stressing yourself out, wouldn't actually activate the ventral system. It would activate the sympathetic system. Mm. So I think top-down control can occur for all of them, but specifically top-down control that is implemented by yoga practices are promoting the sattvic mm. uh, ventral system. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And but obviously, if you p- constantly practice the opposite of like promoting your negative thoughts, then it's gonna probably increase your rajas and tamas mm. and your dorsal system and sympathetic tone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, from what I understand, the key point is to be able to have more control of the bottom-up inputs and the external environment, which I think overall yeah. introduce a general sense of stability, which I guess helps and contributes to the sattva yeah, state. <laughs> exactly. And I just want to s- mention that something I find really interesting when you were saying about having more control mm-hmm. of our environments, as in controlling our response to the environment, yeah. it just reminded me of when we discussed evolution and Mm -hmm. we're discussing how humans may have in a way more control of our own evolution because of this new ability to have top-down control Mm -hmm. and of course like yoga I'm gonna assume is human specific (laughs) (laughs) even though all the poses are named after animals you know you don't really see the animals doing (laughs) the yoga (laughs) yeah but the fact that yeah this theory incorporates evolution into Mm -hmm. um this new system, the ventral system that evolved in humans and this being related to the human specific practice of yoga and I don't know it just all fits together so yeah. well I think and it is so interesting this concept of like top-down control like offering us a new way to interact with our environments and sort of be separate from it and yeah and I guess just be in charge of our own responses and our own stability and peace of mind yeah as yeah it kind of makes me uncomfortable actually really (laughs) I don't want to have too much control I mean I don't think we have that much control in the first place I think you need to do a lot of yoga and meditation in order to get to that point (laughs) but do I want that control I don't like we're very much at the mercy of the external environment most of the time because of our lack of control you know yes that's true our, our our responses and our inability con- to control most of our responses just speak to how um vulnerable we are depending on the environment we're in yeah and if we have a bit more control over that vulnerability i don't think i think that's a good thing it yeah if it's used in a positive way yeah. which again yoga does promote I don't do as much yoga as you do, but I I do really enjoy meditation. And well, I would argue that meditation definitely is a bigger part of yoga than what people normally think of yoga as being a physical practice. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of um, evolution and the control (laughs) we may have over our evolution. Yeah. 
I don't know if you looked into whether the bidirectional coupling of the our physiology as well as the prosocial behaviors, um, if it happens in a specific point in evolution, and if that's why it's very specific to humans and and perhaps mammals as opposed to um, other species. I'm not sure what point in evolution <laughs> it, occur- it occurred. I, I, I wasn't quizzing you on your taxonomy. <laughs> I don't think you knew exactly, but I was, yeah. I mean, I read about it in terms of the human thing. Mm-hmm. At this point, it would just be me speculating, but mm-hmm. I, I suppose like animals that are sociable through their facial expressions should express, the, uh, should neurophysiologically be similar in this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'm not... An, evolutionary mm, biologist so unfortunately I don't know (laughs) what about like body languages and cues a lot of most animals express themselves through bodily cues and and sounds and vocal noises you know yeah definitely and is that different from pro-social behavior like is it is it a very specific thing to our facial expressions Okay, I'm not entirely sure, okay. but the thing about the facial expressions is that, according to the theory, the the neural pathways mm-hmm. are l- physically linked to like the muscles of our face, uh, okay. so that it can yeah. control our mm-hmm. facial expression. But if we have any evolutionary biologists listening, do let us know. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, please tell and teach me about <laughs> it all. Um. Anyways, mm-hmm. we'll wrap up the episode there. So I hope you enjoyed learning today about polyvagal theory. And yoga and philosophy. Yoga philosophy <laughs> a little bit. Um, and how science is beginning to reconceptualize very historical concepts that yogis thought of thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do check out the uh, website because we put all of the links for um, our readings um, that we did for the podcast episodes if you're interested in um, reading more about yoga philosophy.